Welcome to We the People, talking all things politics from a patriotic, no-nonsense point of view. Everybody, welcome back to We the People, where today we'll be discussing the largest genocide in human history. How hopefully that's all going to change soon and why that change is so long overdue. It's an extremely important topic and I don't want you to miss this episode and I don't want you to miss any episode. So you don't, subscribe to this podcast today if you haven't already. And if you like this show, tell your family, your friends, your neighbors, literally everyone you know to subscribe to this podcast. You can find our podcast on Anchor, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or anywhere else you get your podcasts. I cannot thank you enough for your listenership, your subscriptions to the show, and when you support this podcast and our organization. You guys make what we do possible. We couldn't do this without you. We cannot do this alone. And as always, if you're in a position to give and you would like to support this podcast, you can do so today at theunitedstatespatriotsociety.com slash contribute. That's theunitedstatespatriotsociety.com slash contribute. I cannot thank you all enough for when you do that. It truly, truly means so much to me and our organization. And a quick special announcement before we dive in here into today's episode. Uh, Soon, we're going to be calling on our conservatives, our great conservatives from across the entire country who want to make a difference to start or join a Patriot Society chapter in your community. This is how we take our country back, guys. This is the nature of true grassroots activism, and it's the best way for us to take a stand against government overreach and organize in our communities as one loud and massive voice, allowing us a great opportunity to network with fellow patriots in our towns, counties, states, regions, and literally across the entire nation so we can massively assemble and organize and mobilize to take a stand for our country. It's going to be huge. And as a chapter, you'll be able to make a real difference for our conservative movement by doing things like hosting meetings to discuss and educate fellow Americans on our nation's values, our real history, not revisionist history, not rewritten history, but real history, discuss our founding documents and discuss what's going on in our communities and our country and how you as an individual and your chapter can make a difference on the front lines to save this nation. You're going to have opportunities to organize this chapter at local events like school board meetings, and we know how important those are right now, and election meetings so that we can ensure that our voices are heard loud and clear. Crucially important at a time like this, getting involved locally. You'll be strengthening the movement by registering voters, knocking on doors, recruiting more members to build a better chapter network, and by exercising our First Amendment right to peaceful assembly. I cannot wait to get all of you involved so that we can take our country back together. Great episode of We the People on its way, guys. So stick around and let's get after it. Sixty-three million. Hear that number again. Sixty-three million. Wow. That's the number of unborn children in the U.S. that have lost their lives to abortion since the ruling of Roe v. Wade. That is a disgrace. Beyond just a disgrace, it's a catastrophe. It's one of the most evil, most wicked, awful things man has ever done. And to think it was done in the guise of healthcare. But today, that seems to be the new normal, doesn't it? Doing twisted things all in the name of public health, right? It's disturbing. 
So 63 million innocent babies were murdered. Since the ruling of Roe v. Wade, that's 2,363 children killed every single day in America by abortion. Enough is enough. Me personally, I'm done. And I think we are too. All of us. We're done. And soon, I'm hoping, as we've seen this past week, that I'm hoping that all of this is going to change. And I think it might change very soon. And I can't help but think what of a blessing that would be for all of us and for unborn generations of Americans to come. And it would do some justice to the 63 million innocent babies who have already lost their lives to this horrible genocide. But before we start talking about in great detail why I'm hoping and, you know, why I think all this is going to change soon, I want to talk a little bit about some of the facts and really have a bit of a heart-to-heart on this horrific topic. I want to do that so that moving forward we'll be able to really raise awareness to these facts, statistics, and stories that I'm going to share with you and hopefully be able to save millions of lives because of that. And on the topic of saving millions of lives, because that's actually what it is, lives, that takes me to my first topic here. Day after day, you and I keep hearing this phrase, trust the science. It drones on and on and on, shows no end in sight. Trust the science. Trust the science. Trust the science. I mean, I think, honestly, at this point, we probably have dreams, maybe nightmares, night terrors, whatever you want to call them, of Dr. Fauci, like, swirling around in a room, saying, eh, trust the science, you know, like something out of the exorcist. But yeah, it's creepy. So, and, and I don't know if you heard this, the other day, Dr. Fauci had said, I am the science. Like, I am science. That's what I, I represent all of science. What? That guy's a sociopath. He's a sick, twisted expletive, expletive, expletive. So I say we go with this narrative for now. We go with this narrative of trust the science. And honestly, in my opinion, I'm not entirely too sure who would even want to disagree with trusting science, but it's got to be real science and not the pseudoscience that has been fabricated and promulgated by the radical left, by people like Dr. Fauci. So what does St. Anthony of Wuhan and the rest of the radical left and these as individuals and organizations, who, who are the ones who are mainly telling us to trust this science? It's the bureaucracy, or as I like to call it, it's the fourth and, and unfortunately today's world looks to be like one of the most powerful branches, if not the most powerful branch of government, even though it's not a branch of government, I call it the fourth branch of government that they don't teach you about in schools. So bureaucracies like the NIH, the National Institute of Health, are telling us to trust this science. So, in that case, we come to this age-old question of, what is life? You know, anything about philosophy, they always are asking this question. What is life? What is the meaning of life? And then we also come to this question that is often illogically debated, because it shouldn't be a debate at all, and it's argued on by the left of, when does life begin? And remember, they want you to think that unborn children are simply meaningless clumps of cells and not actually babies. Well, isn't that kind of weird, because... Again, following the narrative of science, a an amoeba, a paramecium, a single cell organism on Mars that they, they could find on Mars is considered a scientific breakthrough. But a human being isn't. Isn't considered life? It's insane. And to that, I say lies. It's demonstrably false, in fact, and has absolutely zero scientific support. There is not a single piece of scientific evidence that supports the claim that an unborn baby is not actually life. Yet the left's position on such a fictitious claim remains intransigent. Why? 
So if the NIH wants us to truly trust the science, shouldn't we do just that by following their own words published on their website? Stating that, quote, human life begins when sperm and eggs fuse to rise to a single cell human zygote, end quote. Or in other words, that means human life begins at conception. Shouldn't we trust that science? And if we're going to trust the science, isn't that also science? Or is that not allowed? Is that science just going to turn a, a blind eye to that? But don't take just their word. Don't take the NIH's word for it. In fact, might not really want to believe much anything they say anymore. Take a look at what Princeton University, a university that has for many years uh, been a, a gold standard along with the rest of the Ivies, uh, for universities through, throughout the world, uh, arguably in the, some of the greatest we have. But unfortunately, like many other big colleges and universities, uh, including the Ivies now, they're falling falling off the, the top of the mountain, per se, now. And it's because of indoctrination. But anyways, I digress. So Princeton University says, quote, life begins at fertilization with the embryo's conception. The development of the embryo begins at stage one, when a sperm fertilizes an oocyte, and together they form a zygote, end quote. So, again, I'll ask, should we trust that science? What about that piece? Is that something we can trust? Or perhaps maybe we should trust the American College for Pediatricians. On the website, they have a page titled, When Human Life Begins. And that page states, quote, the predominance of human biological research confirms that human life begins at conception. At fertilization, the human being emerges as a whole, genetically distinct, individuated, zygotic living human organism. As a member of the species Homo sapiens, in a case you've forgotten, that's you and I, figured you know that, needing only the proper environment in order to grow and develop. The difference between the individual, and this part's extremely important, the difference between the individual in its adult stage and in its zygotic stage is one of form, not nature. The statement focuses on the scientific evidence of when an individual human life begins, end quote, from those pediatricians, end quote. So does the left claim to be smarter than scientists? Do they claim to know more about human biology than medical doctors and human biologists from around the world? Or is it that they pick and choose what science you should or should not follow? And pick and choose what science does and does not fit the narrative? It's the twisted art of selective science. And the left are masters of it. On another note, are looking at things a little more from an ideological perspective here. and Our nation's founders were truly smart people wise beyond their years. They gave us advice, warnings, and a map for the future. One said map that they've given us is our Declaration of Independence. And I'd like to note that the importance of our separation, our Declaration of Freedom or Declaration of Independence, from a tyrannical government, tyrannical rule, did not end in the late 1700s, folks. It's eternal, and it's extremely important today, in the times that we're in now. So Thomas Jefferson, along with the contributions of a few other founding fathers, had so eloquently stated some 245 years ago that, quote, we hold these truths to be self-evident, 
that all men are created equal, that they are endowed by their creator with certain unalienable rights, that among these are life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. We all know that part. We've heard that many times. We've heard it butchered by Joe Biden. But we've all heard that part of the declaration. And the second part that often goes ignored, and you'll see why in a moment, goes something like this. That to secure these rights, governments are instituted among men, deriving their just powers from the consent of the governed. That whenever any form of government becomes destructive of these ends, it is the right of the people to alter or to abolish it, and to institute new government. End quote. So I want to pose something here. Since we know that abortion deprives Americans of their right to life, and so long as we have a government that allows for such a direct and blatant attack on human life, then by the words of our nation's founders, we the people have the God-given right to replace said government. I think we owe it to the 63 million babies to end this once and for all. It's time for our government to step up and end this genocide. And the good news is, we just might be able to finally do just that. For the last week, over every major news network, they've been discussing the potential overturning of Roe v. Wade, which is the case from 1973, regarding uh, abortion. That's what they would call a women's right to choose. So now with three conservative-leaning Supreme Court justices being added to the high court during the Trump administration, thank God for that, the liberals have really begun to worry. And recently, the Supreme Court had heard oral arguments for the Dobbs versus Jackson Women's Health Organization case. And to most of us, it would appear that this case really just came out of nowhere. And I mean, it just over the last week, it really just popped up as like breaking news and said, oh, my gosh, we're, you know, there's a chance the Supreme Court might overturn Roe v. Wade. But in reality, this is this case has been thrown around the judicial system for really the last three years and involves a challenge to a 2018 Mississippi statute that was blocked by lower federal courts. The Mississippi abortion law bans abortions if, quote, the probable gestational age of the unborn human is determined to be more than 15 weeks. The state of Mississippi has argued that the unborn child at 15 weeks has made numerous important physiological developments, and they are very, very right about that. 15 weeks, guys, is the fourth month of a mother's pregnancy, so almost the halfway point. And at 15 weeks, just to give you some facts here, at 15 weeks, your baby is forming taste buds, beginning to connect its nerves to its brain, has one of two genders, because there's only two genders, and that can be identified by an ultrasound at 15 weeks, and has already formed its cute little face that you'll be pinching the cheeks of in just five more months. It's making expressions, and Articles online said that, you know, if you were to be able to look inside the womb, you'd see the baby making faces, you know, be able to suck on its thumb. It, this is no question whether or not this is a living being. So Mississippi wants to protect your 15-week-old baby. But the left wants to be able to kill it. And the central holding of Roe v. Wade is that, quote, a state may not prohibit any woman from making the ultimate decision to terminate her pregnancy before viability, end quote. And in my opinion, how that became a topic of interest or a point that mattered is really just beyond me. Human life is human life, and whether or not it can survive on its own or not is immaterial. And again, 
Our government is by no means to deprive any person of their inalienable right to life, but here we are 48 years after they did just that by ruling in favor of Jane Roe. This is something that Justice Clarence Thomas understands greatly. And he'd asked recently, where in the Constitution does it state that women are given the right to an abortion? End quote. This is a concept, guys, that should be clear to anyone who has even the slightest understanding of our nation's founding documents. Nowhere does it say women have the right to choose. It doesn't say anything like that. And nor does it even begin to lead toward anything of, of that matter. So the left and those who profit from abortion, and we're going to talk about that in just a moment here, are really, really worried right now. And it's because we have a 6-3 conservative majority on the Supreme Court, and because of the fact that Mississippi did ask the justices, the Supreme Court justices, to overrule Roe and the court's 1992 decision in Planned Parenthood versus Casey. So if the justices were to approve the Mississippi law, the viability standards set in Roe v. Wade would no longer be the law of the land, which consequently would remove the federal government from the abortion debate and allow state legislatures to pass laws banning abortion prior to the point of fetal viability. And what this means to the left is the beginning to having to actually be self-accountable for one's actions, which is hard. The left hates self-accountability. And it's going to be the end to a multi-billion dollar industry which is crazy to even think about. It's sick and twisted. And it's the death to an organization in which is founded on racism and pure evil. So since the inception of Planned Parenthood, Margaret Sanger, the founder of Planned Parenthood, met with the KKK and the founder of the Negro Project to reduce the number of black babies being born. And she categorized them as undesirable human weeds. Those are her words. She categorized black babies as undesirable human weeds. It was a eugenics program since the beginning, and since then, Planned Parenthood has followed closely with their founder's ideology, with the majority of their clinics targeting minority women. In fact, in the United States, the abortion rate for black women is almost five times that for a white woman. So you want to talk about racism? Let's talk about that. And even more egregiously, look at New York City, where more black babies are aborted each year than actually born which is something that would make Margaret Sanger extremely proud. I'm sure she's smiling up at Planned Parenthood. And horrifically, all of this helped make her organization $500 million in taxpayer funds a year richer. That's a statistic from Planned Parenthood's 2013-2014 annual report. So I'm going to let you do the math since 2013, how much blood money they've raked in since then. $500 million in taxpayer funds a year in, in 2013 to 2014. So this, this is what we're on the break of ending right now. This is why this is so, so critical, so crucial right now. We're on the brink of ending this evil industry. We're going to watch it crumble. And the millions of unborn babies that we're getting ready to save, with the leadership that we have on the court and the awareness we are raising in our conservative movement, we truly do have the ability to do this right now. But our fight does not stop there, and it's not going to stop until Roe v. Wade is overturned and all 50 states of this great union outlaw the killing of unborn babies in the womb. Before we go, I really want to, what I want to do now is I want to share with you something that when we look at all the facts, it sometimes can, it sometimes comes off as dry, and some people just still still can't understand it. 
and that includes those who say, well, trust the science and I, I, they're, they're activists, but I call them, I call them activists because again, they, it's pseudoscience and they pick and choose what they want to believe. So I want to share with you something I wrote a little while ago while reflecting on one of the anniversaries of the ruling on Roe v. Wade. It was hard for me to write. When, when you reflect on something like that, it's, it's pretty tough, but it goes a little something like this. Since the ruling of Roe v. Wade, over 61 million children have lost their lives to abortion. Let that sink in for a moment. 61 million. That's 750 billion hugs. 1 trillion, 250 billion I love yous. And a countless number, an infinite number of memories. Think about, for a moment, all of your favorite memories you have with ones you love. Now imagine yourself and those you love never being able to share those memories with one another. Imagine them just ripped from your mind. Say that that hurts is an understatement. It's overwhelming. And all the mothers out there who know the joy and love they feel just from something as simple as hearing your child's voice, you know how precious their life and your lives together really are. So moms, for a moment I want you to imagine two realities. One where you live your current life now as a mother, making beautiful memories with your child or children. And then imagine one where you decided to abort your child. As hard as that may be to think about, imagine it for a moment. Your current self would scream, cry, and beg for your alternative self to keep and love your child. But why? Because you know that joy. The joy of a simple touch. The joy of the sound of their voice. And even the joy you can find in the annoyance of being teased by your own children. So to the moms expecting a child, let yourself feel that joy. Look to the future of what your life with that precious person would be like. This is a child created in the image and likeness of God. And I firmly believe, and I know it's true, that God has never created a mistake. And that he has given you the gift of a baby growing in the womb. So I beg of you, your growing baby begs of you, and your future self as a mother begs of you to allow yourself the opportunity to know, love, and nurture your beautiful gift. Together as one people, as one human race, let us demand the end of the genocide of our most precious and defenseless people, the unborn. Let us stand up and be a voice for the voiceless, and let us embrace the sanctity of human life. It's time to overturn Roe v. Wade. So today, world, I challenge you. I challenge you to choose love. Guys, my stance hasn't changed on that since then, and it never will. I will continue until my last breath, this is my promise, to challenge this world to choose love. As always, I'm your host, Skylar Dunsing with the United States Patriot Society. I thank you for listening. I appreciate your support. And if you haven't already, please subscribe to our podcast. I encourage you to invite your family, your friends to do so as well. And together, let's fight for the unborn. It's time to overturn Roe v. Wade. God bless you all. I'll see you next week. And always 
Remember, it's we the people. 